0: and welcome to music 101 music 101 is all about the music i like music trivia and a lot more and today i have my special guest he's an american jazz singer and pianist no other than mr rick De La
1: Thank you for that wonderful fanfare, Daniel. Fantastic.
0: Yes, and welcome to Music 101, Mr. Rick. And can you please introduce yourself?
1: Sure, my name is Rick Delarada. I am best known as a jazz pianist, vocalist, composer, and the founder of Jazz for Peace.
0: Wow, sounds interesting. So how would you define music?
1: How would I define music? Um, I think I would define music as any kind of a sound that is played for the purpose of connecting one human being to another.
0: Yes, definitely. So white jazz as your major genre.
1: Mainly because um, I was when I started to play the piano, Uh, I was trying to learn it all by myself, on my own, without anyone teaching me anything. And then I started to take piano lessons, but I continued my own exploration. And as I developed, I noticed that um, the jazz idiom really uh, lent itself to my own personal interest in exploration, expression of freedom, and also improvisation.
0: Very well said, Mr. Reed. And according to Dr. Bailey, you're taking jazz into the next level. How is that?
1: Well, basically, um, that specific quote came after a CD that I uh, put out called Thought Provoking uh, uh, on Stellar Records. Basically, that CD, uh, I, I was combining... I had been developing so uh, at that time I was uh, sometimes doing performances where I was mainly singing and just accompanying myself because they were more interested in vocal songs at that type of uh, venue Uh, other I was also doing uh, situations where I was mainly performing instrumentally because uh, that was what was wanted for that situation. And then in other situations, my compositions were being featured. At this stage, I was combining my compositional um, development with my instrumental development and my vocal. And that led um, to that quote uh, that I was taking jazz to the next level.
0: Wow, sounds interesting, uh, Mr. Rick. So, can you play one of the uh, masterpieces that you sure. want to share to us?
1: Okay. Well, what I've been doing lately on uh, podcasts is um, I've been playing something that I just make up completely free improvisation, and I call it Free J.A. And that's because um, the word jazz. Is originally, I found out, it's a it's a hate it's a Creole word spelled J A S S, and uh, we kind of misspelled it J A Z Z, and so I just took those last two word two letters off completely, and now I had free J A, which was something that I believe in, and that's related to the situation we have now, where um, our freedom of speech is uh, you know being attacked and. Uh, the situation of, you know, this, this man, Julian Assange, et cetera, and, um, you know, the bombing of innocent civilians, which, of course, Jazz for is very much uh, against. And, and we want to have, uh, you know, journalistic integrity, and we want them to be able to do their job. So this title of uh, resonates with me called free ja and to lead us into this i'm going to play a little bit of a jazz standard so this is called the sunday kind of love it was originally recorded by etta james and then i'm going to go into this free improvisation i don't know what it sounds like because i'm just going to make it up now My Sunday dreaming, and all my Sunday scheming. Every minute, every hour, every day. I'm open to discover
2: certain. Bravo,
0: Mr. Riggs. Superb. Very, very nice. And indeed, as one of the finest singer and pianist performing artists nowadays, who influenced you mostly?
1: Uh, well, I say a lot of people. Um uh, one of the people that introduced that influenced me in the kind of uh, free improvisation that I do. Uh, was a pianist named Keith Jarrett uh, because when I was a kid, I had a record of his called the Koln concert where he actually did an entire concert completely of free improvisation. And he used to do, you know, numerous concerts, numerous albums, and numerous, you know, shows like that. Uh, Even though I also liked um, some of his group playing as well. And I also played with some of the musicians who played with him, later as I grew up, but uh, I would say, you know, he was one of them, but of course, uh, there's many others. Uh, at, at the time when I was a kid, there was Chick Korea and McCoy Tyner and um, Herbie Hancock, and who's now also a, a, a fan of Jazz for Peace, which is, I'm so honored about that. And um, just, I would say a lot of great saxophonists as well. People like John Coltrane, you know, Thelonious Monk, another pianist, um, you know, so, so there's been a lot of them. Uh, Too many to mention, but that's at least a handful for you.
0: So what are your uh, short-term and long-term goals in your profession?
1: Well, short-term, I've noticed that um, you can do amazing things through the arts and culture. So one thing I want to do as quickly as I can is convince the rest of the world that they need to stop trying to solve our problems without the arts and culture, without allowing the arts and culture to play a role, because it's not working. And guess what? It's never worked. If you look historically, if you go back in time, you'll always see that the arts and culture played a major role in peacekeeping, in uh, uh, solving problems, and break, you know, transcending barriers and boundaries. Um, There's a very influential, for me anyway, uh, a movie that was made, I believe, in the 1970s in uh, Tibet called The Song of the Weeping Camel, where this person was filming this family and they had camels and one of the camels gave birth to an albino camel and would not accept it the mother would not accept it and they did everything they could literally most of the movie is watching them try this and that and nothing would work and they finally decided to travel two days on a donkey and and get this musician who was the only person who could solve this problem and the musician came up and brought his instruments and put the instruments on the belly of the mother and then you know put an instrument on the on the little camel. And then he played a violin and he played and played until the mother started weeping uncontrollably. And at that point, the mother accepted the albino child as her own and began to raise him again. And, you know, that's just proof. Um, Of course, there's all kinds of proof that we need the arts and culture to play a role. Let, you know, don't put, you don't put your best players on the bench. And the arts and culture is one of the most important pieces of this puzzle to sol- help our world heal and solve our world's problems.
0: Uh, very well said, Mr. Rick. So being considered to be an innovator and a visionary for this 21st century, what are the things that you want to share to us?
1: Well, what I one thing I want to share with you is that... Um, what one of the most important things that Jazz for Peace uh, has is a benefit concert series where we help outstanding causes, and one reason for that is we really believe that if we uh, bring out, you know, br- expose to the world causes, they could be big or small, old or new, but they're just people who are really passionate about achieving their goals to uh, obtain justice or obtain. Uh, a goal to to help our outstanding cause that if we help them, um, we will really be able to address many of the problems that we are facing today as a society, as a species and as a world. So I'd like to get people to think about that possibility and then take a look at what we've already done because we're 20 years old and we've had over 850 events helping the world's most outstanding causes. Um, so you can see that, you know, this thing really, um, has a chance to make a difference.
0: Yes. So if you describe your music, Mr. Rick, what is it or what are they?
1: Well. You know, I, I train myself to be a musician and play all styles of music. One, because I love all styles of music. I mean, I grew up on the pop songs on the radio. Uh, I have a degree in classical piano. I have a master's in jazz composition. So I have a wide eclectic taste. But I think for the the what I'm doing now on all these different podcasts um, is what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to tap into the um, amazing journey that Jazz for Peace has set me on, which has taken me all over the world and to many places where I never thought I would go and where I know no one who I've ever met has ever been. And I'm hoping that these amazing experiences will come through me in their own natural way when I play. And that's what makes it so exciting to uh, improvise spontaneously, because honestly, um, you might hear something that influenced me in the south of India, or it could be uh, in the north of Iceland.
0: Definitely. So Rick, let's go to classical. If you compare uh, Beethoven and Bach, what are the big differences?
1: Beethoven and Bach, well, you know, that's important that people realize. A lot of people don't realize um, Bach did not have a piano. So okay. that's what people listen to his music and they don't realize it, that you're playing it out there, hearing it on a piano, but the piano hadn't even been invented yet. So we don't even know what Bach's music really would sound like because the piano, that, the, the instrument that we used to play his music didn't even exist. So that's an important thing to think about Bach. Bach was dealing with what he had, and what he had was a harpsichord, which was nowhere close to the nuance and expression that a piano has, and yet this man was able to really trailblaze some of the most amazingly innovative music of all time, and he has influenced jazz musicians, uh, and musicians of all styles have been influenced by him. Now, Beethoven, on the other hand, uh, he had a much, uh, you know, he had much more opportunities for greater expression due to the uh, advent of these, the advent of these, um, you know, instruments and, and the, the piano making so much more progress from, from just before when it was just a harpsichord. He also lived in a different time period, uh, I believe called the Romantic era, where there were different emotions and expressions of the people in the community. So his music is an expression of his surroundings, whereas Bach came more of a, uh, a church environment and a different era. Uh, if you look at the art from that era and the art from Beethoven's era, you'll also see a huge difference. So the, the, one of the biggest differences between the two of them is the two different eras that they lived and they were expressing themselves in a completely different world.
0: So do you think in your opinion you can combine their music?
1: Uh thinking you're thinking what now Com- to combine their music? Yes. What were we saying? Uh, you, uh, you want me to try to do it or something? What are we thinking? Yes, definitely. If okay. Make- okay, so I'm going to I'm going to improvise something now that channels a little bit of the contrapuntal um, expression of Johann Sebastian Bach along with the romantic expression of Ludwig van Beethoven and bring it into the 21st century where we are today. So maybe what, what it might be like if these two kinds of people uh you know if if they had today's experience to express themselves so we'll see what that sounds like okay
0: wow Lanty. <laughs> so nice <laughs> combination of Beethoven and Bach it's so one of a kind. <laughs> so Mr. Rick, what are your struggles in as, as a singer or a pianist?
1: The struggle is you know nobody really realizes how hard it is because we most piano most pianists, okay, do not sing, that are playing all kinds of intricate things on the piano. Uh, They don't sing. They just concentrate on the piano. On the other hand, most singers do not play. They just concentrate on the singing. And when they do play, if you listen carefully, you'll hear them just playing basic chords to accompany their voice so when you hear like an elton john a billy joel you know they're playing accompaniment to their voice so the challenge for me is that i am trying to uh to to really divide myself into two Uh, i'm trying to do the impossible and um the 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 hardest thing the, the biggest challenge for me is really to go easy on myself and realize that as long as I tried my best, um, you know, that's what really matters because it's virtually impossible to do everything that I want to do vocally and everything I want to do pianistically uh, all in one person. So that's my biggest challenge with those two.
0: Very well said, Mr. Rick. So, how did you enhance being multitasking?
1: Basically, um, well, what I try, what I do is I throw everything out the window and I decide my job is first and foremost to make good music. So just think about the music. So in other words, um, if the music is good, it doesn't matter if I'm playing or singing or mainly singing and accompanying myself or mainly playing, uh, and hardly singing. So, you know, the important thing for me is to not concentrate on how difficult it is, but rather concentrate on, you know, or allow good music to be made in whatever form it comes out. So I assume that, you know, yes, I, I'm, I'm a composer and when I improvise, it's a composition of sorts. Um, yes, I'm using my voice to its best capabilities that I can and my to the best that they can. But, you know, at the end of the day, all I want to hear is some good music, and I think that's all the audience wants to hear as well. So the important thing for me is to really forget about how difficult it is and just try to make some good music that we can enjoy.
0: Yes. Mr. Rick, after 10 years, where this Mr. Rick Delarata will go in the music industry?
1: Well, okay, so um, basically... Uh, what what I found with Jazz for Peace? Okay, now where are you located? For example,
0: I'm Vancouver. Uh, Vancouver.
1: Okay, so Jazz for Peace has actually been to Vancouver. Uh, we went there and played in a. There's a jazz club in Vancouver, or at least there was. And um, I we concert for an outstanding cause. The thing about uh, what Jazz for Pieces can do is it can go anywhere. Where there are people who have an outstanding cause that they believe in and is making their society or their world a better place. So basically, uh, that's the crazy thing about Jasper Peace is we never know who that person is that's going to write us an email and tell us about so that we can work together with them to uh, to make the event happen. It can be literally anywhere in the world. And that's why, uh, I don't know if I told you this, but we've actually been to Africa alone. We've been there nine times, just to Africa. So, uh, and I mentioned Haiti, but, you know, we've been to places like Nepal and, uh, you know, Pakistan. And, you know, like I think I said, the south of India. But, you know, we've been, of course, every place, all, all in the States, you um, and you know places like Mexico and Brazil. So basically, um, you know, jazz for peace. It's possible to jazz for peace to pretty much go anywhere as long as someone has the will to make their community or make their world better. If you have the will to to make your to make our world better, we have the way. Uh, you told us that you love
0: pop music though. So if you combine pop music and jazz, what will be the outcome?
1: Okay, I will try that now.
0: Wow, thank you for doing that. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so I'm gonna take a song I wrote, if I can remember it, it's called Stop and Smell the Roses, and then I'm gonna go off from there on a jazz journey and improvisatory journey from that song. smell the roses. You gotta give yourself a break. What is life? If you don't live it, take some time. You gotta give yourself a break. You gotta live life for today. Stop and smell the roses. You gotta hear
0: Mr. Rick, what age did you realize that you are good in uh, anything, like being a singer or pianist?
1: Well, you know, I hate. Here's a little secret. Um, A lot uh, the the artists. You know, I used to read these interviews when I was a kid. I would read the interview where they would interview the artists. And they would take these great musicians. I remember Charlie Parker. They would ask him, what is your best record? And he would say, my next record. And I noticed that numerous other artists, they would do the same thing. You know, you never really. Here's the problem. Uh, Once you learn something, okay, what happens is. Your mastery of that opens another window. So the artist is always working on something that's six months down the road before before it's gonna reach you. So I'm always humbled trying to learn something that I couldn't believe I didn't know because what happens is you learn something new and then another window opens up And then you look at this incredible opportunity and you think, how did I play the piano for this long and not know how to do that? You know, or even with vocals, you know, how did I, how did I, uh, you know, how did I go this far and not learn that? So you're always working on something out in the future. So I hate to say it, you never really feel like you're all that good, but you have to pretend you're good just to hold yourself up because you don't want everyone to, you know, you don't really want everyone to know that you're in your mind working on something that's way out in the future and you can hardly execute it so you don't think you're that good because what you're trying to execute in the future, you obviously can't execute yet.
0: Yes, very well said, Mr. Rick. So aside from music, what else
1: that you are good at? Um, you know... It's, it's interesting because if you do get good at one thing, you sometimes can use that knowledge or that discipline or little tips from that to help you get good at other things. So sometimes you can use some of the knowledge from one thing to another thing. Uh, one thing that people say I'm pretty good at is um, snow skiing. skiing. So I love to ski. And uh, actually, I just got back um I don't even know if if you you might not have gotten delayed, but all of the interviews I'm doing now are have been delayed for many months because people were waiting for me to get back from this amazing mountain in Utah, where I was skiing every day and I just wasn't near a piano. And because I play on all the interviews, everyone had to wait for months for me to get back to New York City. Uh, so, so I, I, you know, skiing is something I really love to do, and uh, you know, I would say I was at the expert level at a relatively young age, and so being able to ski at the expert level uh, really makes it an exciting sport.
0: That'd be awesome, and we are inviting you to come in Vancouver to do the skiing. Also, we have. Oh,
1: I would love to <laughs> ski at Whistler. Yeah, Whistler is such a major it's you know it's like for for people like me that love skiing uh that's one of the top places in north america you know you have whistler you have jackson then you have snowbird alto in utah which is the place that i ski in utah but yes i would love to ski whistler absolutely love that place
0: yes so what is your inspiring word for those aspiring or uh, musician out
2: there?
1: Well, you know, there's a couple of things I'd like to tell uh, an, an aspiring musician. One, there's a lot of adversity in the arts, so a lot of times you feel like, you know, uh, boy, you're in over your head, you've got a lot of difficulties, it's it's hard to grow as a musician and, you know, make enough money to survive, all, you know, all the things that you're up against. Um, but I was asked to write a... Um, a print article for uh, a company that said, this is what we want. We were wondering if you can do it. They said, we want you to things that make you happy. And they just meant me individually. So what I did is I took a same sentence and I put five different things in it. And I said, find a blank that works for you. And I did it five times. And the first one that came to the top of my head was find a philosophy that works for you. And I mentioned that stoic philosophy works for me, but it could be anything, you know, a philosophy that works for you, an activity that works for you, a hobby that it works for you, social interactions. And if you can combine those things, I can help you, you know, get through uh, all of the ups and downs that it takes uh, to survive in the music industry. And the other thing I would say is that... Um, Don't be surprised if you have a great idea and everyone thinks you're a little bit crazy, because if you look at history, all of these great people, everyone thought they were crazy at the beginning because their idea was so great. Most people just couldn't fathom it or understand it or digest it, but they stuck with their, you know, they stuck with it. And after a while, people realized they weren't crazy. They were actually just a genius.
0: Definitely. So what are the ups and downs of Mr. Rick De La Rata in music? Industry? Well the
1: well the ups is the music, okay? And the downs <laughs> is the industry. All right. So if you're music industry, the up will be the music and the down will be the industry. Because the music industry is absolutely notoriously bad. It's just notorious for you know uh, messing people up messing up people's lives um exploiting the musicians and the artists and all that kind of stuff so the industry is something you have to really um you know you have to navigate it and you have to make sure it doesn't get the best of you and that you keep a positive uh outlook at all times and realize that sometimes a failure could be a a journey to success because if you succeeded At that which you failed at, um, you might get stuck in. You might get stuck there, you know, at that little thing, and you might not have made it to where you really needed to go. So you have to, uh, you know, you have to keep a uh, a positive and also a realistic perspective.
0: Yes. So, do you have a piece uh, regarding that situation, the ups and downs of music industry?
1: Uh, A piece? You mean like a musical? Yes. Uh, you mean something musical? Um, I could. <laughs> what I could do is I could visualize my journey as a musician and try to play something while I'm doing that. Does that make sense?
0: Makes sense.
1: Okay. I'll give that a try.
0: Again, Mr. Rick, it's one of a kind. <laughs> we have our latest album to
1: promote. Um, well, here's what happened. Um, I had seven CDs as a band leader, and then um, all of a sudden, you know, we got into streaming, and all the record stores closed. So there's no record stores anymore to sell your album. If you put an album out. So now we have this serious problem of what to do because we, we, we continue to make music and we continue to need to put out albums. But there's no store to sell them in and people don't buy them because they stream. But what you can do is you can see me, A, on all of the podcasts now, you can hear me do new stuff. You know, something... Very special just for that podcast like you're hearing today. You know, no place can anyone hear this than your podcast. They have to come here. But the other thing is there's um, live performances and videos and things of that nature. So uh, one thing you can do is you can go on Google. And if you Google the words um, NY Times for New York Times, NY Times, and then Jazz for Peace, you'll get to a press release of the work I'm trying to do to create awareness for the importance of the rights that are being taken away by this Julian Assange situation, this, uh, you know, our rights that are in jeopardy and that we need to, you know, we need to address this uh, situation. Um, And in that press release, you can see a video of me performing live in Nigeria.
0: Wow, sounds interesting. People, so uh, do you think in the future you will do uh, arrange for a concert?
1: Well, yes. So what I'd like to do, I'd like to bring jazz for peace back to Canada. Um, in um, uh, just this past week, I was on a podcast from Montreal, so he knows it, and uh, now you know it in Vancouver. And what I need, uh, hopefully, someone will either listen to this podcast or you might talk to somebody in Vancouver that has an outstanding cause um, that is in need of funding. And simply, you can put them in touch with Jazz for Peace, and the email address would be info at jazzforpeace.org. And if you can put them in touch with us, we can work with them to bring Jazz for Peace back to Vancouver and then, as I told this other person, we can bring Jazz or Peace to Montreal for the very first time. I've been to Montreal as just Rick Delarada, you know, to play in a jazz club, but I hadn't never been, uh, I've never brought Jazz for Peace to Montreal. So, so these, these are how we can uh, make those things happen for Jazz or Peace returning to Canada. Yes. I'll tell you the times I've been to Canada. I've also been by the way to Toronto, where I played with the Artie Shaw Orchestra. And I also played at the, um, oh my goodness, uh, another very famous jazz. I think it's in Ontario. uh, But it's another very famous jazz festival in Canada. And I'll tell you, the uh, Canadians absolutely loved it. So it'll be fantastic if we can uh, make, make this happen.
0: Definitely. So once again, Mr. Rick, invite our listeners to all your uh, music activities.
1: Yes, thank you so much. So remember, you'll want to go to our website, which is uh, jazzforpeace.org, and you can go there to catch up on what we're doing. And if you want to just find out about me individually, then you can also go to rickdolorada.com.
0: Yes. Thank you for your time, Mr. Rick.
1: My pleasure, Daniel. And I'll look forward to our next one coming up that you just mentioned. Yeah. Thank you for the music that you shared to
0: us. It's one of a kind.
1: Oh, my pleasure, Daniel.
0: Gras people, see you soon.